Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show, and we are introducing a new segment called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we're bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe have added value to you in your syndication journey and business. And we want to know if you like the highlight shows. Go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast, and you'll see a feedback button. I look forward to hearing from you. Today, our guest... Stuart Gethner. Thanks for being on the show, Stuart. Honored to be here. Thanks for having me. I get calls every week, whether it's about podcasting or getting started raising capital or, you know, to get in the commercial real estate business. And then, you know, I noticed there's people that two years later, nothing's happened. Right. Right. And so, you know, help us with that a little bit. I know, you know, working with that many students, let's just dive into that a little bit there, because I know there's many listeners who have probably been in those shoes for a good while. They've been listening to the show for, you know, two years almost, and maybe still have not taken that step yet. And so, you know, help us with that a little bit. Personally, I know so much goes back to mindset and just getting out there and making it happen, but help us to put some tread to that. You know, how do you help people do that? Sure. So Whitney, you're spot on. In my opinion, everything has to do with mindset. Mindset and attitude and what goes on between your ears is everything. But to answer your question, what I found that students and people have most challenging is confidence. And so they may have all the relationships. They may have the ability to find property. They may have the ability to work partnerships, joint ventures, but they don't have the confidence. And it's kind of like when you go for a job and, they, and the job requirements are you got to have some experience. It's like, how do you get the experience to get the job without someone giving you a chance to have the experience? So confidence is the number one obstacle. And I think the way that I found most effective to be able to help folks out is to be a coach, a consultant, to be there when you need me. So I'll give you an example. I have a coach. Her name is Cheryl. So we call her Coach Cheryl. And back in the day, we would have a standing appointment on Fridays. So every Friday, I have a consult with my coach, my mentor, and there were some weeks on a Tuesday, I wanted to talk to her, but my appointment wasn't until Friday. And then there were some days where on a Friday, I'd have really nothing to talk about. So I think the biggest challenge is being there when you need them, even if it's for a simple question or even a long question or to walk property or to help through a contract or to help through negotiations. Being able to have someone, you know, one of the things that we do is we'll make live phone calls. When when we put on our seminars and our conferences, they're educational based. We'll literally make live phone calls to active listings or to FISBOs for sale by owners. And people enjoy hearing that I still get flustered. I still ask silly questions. People will still hang up on me. So that gives them the confidence to know that if they fall, someone who's been doing this for a while with a lot of experience, maybe a little gray hair, still has challenges as well. Rejection's hard, right? And then it seems like, you know, getting started in this business, you just already, we don't expect it maybe, or, or we don't, you know, if you just think, okay, I have to be rejected 25 times before I get one yes. And, and you know, me personally, I just want to say, okay, when do we get started? Yeah, you know, you know? That, that's a great point. And so for our KPIs, our metrics, you know, when we're humming, we're dropping a little over 10,000 pieces of direct mail a month. We do different types of advertising. 
from what we can tell, we need about 30 to 40 phone calls, 30 to 40 touches, 30 to 40 touches, emails, whatever that looks like in order to get a deal. So we're going to hear no 30 to 39 times before we're going to hear a yes. And so I can honestly tell you, one of the reasons I think that we don't have a high success rate when people jump into this market is because they get discouraged, Mm. right? And then they'll get an email about, look at cryptocurrency, look at this opportunity. And because they're discouraged, they get distracted. And so they have the commitment starting out. But over time, if they don't see the little pieces of success, the little baby steps, it's easy to fall off the wagon. Is it important to track that? Like you know, like you said, we know it's going to take 30 to 40 pieces of mail or email or phone call. Like, Is it important to track that? You know, let me tell you, we were writing contracts, as everybody does. We were writing contracts after contracts, offers after offers, right? And they're getting rejected. And we had a pile sitting on the desk. And it was like, what do you do with all these rejected offers? And maybe there's two, three, four months worth. I am not a realtor. I'm not an agent, but my lovely bride, Stephanie is. And so I asked her to do me a favor. I asked her maybe to go through this pile and see if any of them had sold, to see if anybody was still interested. And we had about 40 offers that she went through. Four of those offers, four of those contracts, two were accepted below what we asked. Wow. So someone had accepted an offer. Ours was higher. They rejected us. And as time went on, they took an offer less than ours. And the other two, one was $500 more than ours and one was $1,500 more than ours. So I learned even though you have the rejection of your offer, that doesn't mean the deal's dead. And so we put a system in place to cycle through those every 30, 45 days, those rejected offers. And we found that we were getting close to a 10% acceptance rate on that pile if we just stayed in touch and follow through. And that's, that's the challenge I think everybody has in any sales, whether you're in real estate or you're selling cars or whatever you're selling, the money's in the follow through. Don't you think? Our guest is Megan Stafford. Thanks for being on the show, Megan. Thanks, Wendy. I appreciate it. I think it's learning as quickly as you can. Brandon Turner on Bigger Pockets always says that phrase about like building your parachute on the way down. And that's so true. It's like, you know, you jump out of a plane and you're not sure if you have a pack that'll open, but damn it, you're going to try your best to open it. And so, yeah, it's being able to learn on the job, learn on the spot. And then if something doesn't work, if you fail, like no big deal. Like you learned a lot from your failures for sure. I mean, every failure I've had, I've just become so much better from it. How do you prepare for a potential downturn? So yeah, that's that's a good point. Basically, I have been hoarding cash. <laughs> I've gotten all my HELOCs in place. So so I've got a bunch of cash reserves based on like all my financing stuff. So whenever interest rates are going down, I tried to get as much as I could right before I quit my job. Because once you have that W-2 gone... Lending is like, eh, you seem a little risky. So I made sure to get all of that lined up before I put in my notice. (laughs) So I've got all of that in the back, just waiting in case something happens. There's also lots of different avenues with like SBA. There's disaster loans that are actually not that difficult to get. And then, yeah, it's just being able to be prepared with a little bit of extra cash just in case. I'm in the school of thought that like, I want to be buying when there's a downturn and prepped in that way. So yeah, so hoard your cash. (laughs) 
I find that people who are successful in business have a high level of self-discipline. And it's interesting you talk about coming from, you know, a scrappy beginning, you know, as you call it, and, and just hard to get started, right? Or come from not much or humble beginnings, but you have to have a high level of self-discipline. And, you know, how did you gain that high level of self-discipline? You know, I'm not, I'm not, it's a great question. I'm not super positive where it came from, but I will say one thing that really helps keep me focused So I do this thing, it's how Elrod actually came up with it, but it's called SABERS. It's this acronym and I love it. I live by it. It's so amazing. So it's an acronym, SABERS. S is for silence. So I do meditation in the morning and this is a thing you do every day. You can do it in the morning, do it at night, whatever, and you can do it as long as you want or as little as you want. It's up to you. But so S is for silence. So I I try to calm my mind and really get in that space of Zen, just, you know, drown out everything else. And then A is for affirmations. I have a list of affirmations I make, you know, every six months and that's to keep me focused. And so I'll read through those twice. And then B is for visualization. So I have like a vision board and it's got like pictures of me doing awesome things like running a half marathon. And it's got like my little bobblehead on top, you know, like just stuff to kind of trigger your brain to be thinking about those goals that you've set at the beginning of the year or whenever you set them, you know, whatever, just being able to visualize yourself getting those things or going to that beach and and feeling the grains of sand in your toes, like, you know, just really, really driving at home with the sensations. And then E is for exercise. I exercise every day. I've done that for like 90 days straight. I've missed five days, I will say, but I try to do it every day because it's a really great habit and it keeps me focused. And then R is for reading. I'll read lots of different things. I'm an avid reader. I, I love reading. So read for like 10, 15 minutes, whatever, you know, you can fit. And then S is for scribing just because he needed the acronym to work. It's just journaling, which has been eye-opening for me because I would get so busy and just like everything's kind of jumbled up. But when I'm forced to like journal to myself, like it just, everything becomes more clear. And so I would say all of that has helped me become very disciplined because I start my morning that way. And so it trickles down from there. Like I feel centered. And now any problem that comes up really just doesn't seem like I I can handle it now. (laughs) Lionshare Bookkeeping believes the key to generating wealth is understanding where it comes from and where it needs to go. They provide bookkeeping and financial coaching exclusively to real estate investors, focusing on cash flow, strategy, and action. Go to lionsharebookkeeping.com forward slash apartments to connect with them now. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Morning routine is so important to me as well. And being up early, you know, the Miracle Morning, Hellrod's, you know, oh, I guess one of his first books is one of the, something I read, I don't know, three or four years ago. And that really transformed a lot for me too. And, and I don't follow all those things like that, as disciplined as you are. But, you know, it did help me at least to think about my morning routine and being purposeful with that time and just changed a lot. It's allowed me to read tons of books and do lots of other things. But Megan, now that you know what you know in real estate, you've got more experience now, what would you have done different on your first deal? On my first deal, I probably would have asked for more help. And what I mean by that is I didn't actually know like anyone in real estate. You know, there's so many more things now that there weren't basically back then, like LinkedIn. Like I probably would have gone to LinkedIn and looked up people that were in real estate that did investments and knew like how to navigate that and just said like, Hey, I'm young, I'm dumb. Like I need help. 
can I just like send you this contractor bid? And can you tell me if they're like trying to screw me over? Because I don't know. Like (laughs) I would have tried to find, it would have been more helpful to have some sort of mentor being able to like reach out to a local real estate group and say like, I really don't know what I'm doing. And I I'm kind of introverted. So I try to do everything by reading books and like, it really, really helps when you can have someone human kind of walk you through that or just like tell you it's okay (laughs) that all this is happening. Our guest is Bo Gable. Thanks for being on the show, Bo. Whitney, it's my pleasure. And I truly appreciate the opportunity to share my thoughts on your platform. I want to ask you too, how did just the military or maybe Ranger School just affect your real estate business? So the military in general has been tremendous. I've been very fortunate to be a part of it. I tell everyone, you know, I think there's different tiers. And for me, Ranger School was an obsession. And so I love touching on this. And I I talk to all of my peers and any of my soldiers that will that care to listen about how important Ranger School was to my personal development, you know, as a leader, as a soldier, you know, as a person in general. And I really wanted to be a Ranger for so many reasons. And so many of them were like high level, like idealistic, romantic reasons. Uh, but I just really became obsessed. And that's like the only way forward for me. And so that was my priority. So just super focused on that for a long time and very grateful for the opportunity. But I think your listeners could really get some value from some things that, you know, in hindsight, I can translate into how that's built me as a leader and also, you know, how it translates into real estate. There's three real things that Ranger School did for me as a tactical leader, the military officer. And, you know, number one, it made me extremely confident in my small unit tactics, you know, which is crucial to lead on the battlefield or, you know, if be in the arena of leadership, if, you know, if you don't know the ins and outs, you're going to suffer or you're worse, your men and women underneath you are going to suffer because of that. So my ultimate motivation throughout it was just visualizing me in the future as the commander in ground during a tick or, a, you know, a firefight and seeing the leader that I needed to be. And that leader is the absolute best, you know, the men and women that would be serving under me or the units to my left and right, you know, deserve the absolute best. And while that is not as heavy in the real estate game as a syndicator. I still take, or, you know, I think I aspire to take the exact same care of other people's money, you know, especially whenever it's loved ones. And, you know, I always want to be connected to my capital partners. I don't even like calling them investors, you know, they partner with me on deals, but then we can go down and, and work together to, and, you know, benefit everyone involved. Yeah. So extreme confidence, you know, it gives me chills thinking about some of the scenarios you kind of helped us visualize there. You're talking about being, it's just crucial when being a leader and no doubt that's helping you build a team and just be successful in leading a team now into a business. You know, the stakes are so much lower than when, you know, you're overseas, you know, and and being just mentally in that game like that, you know, it's not a game, but, you know, overseas, it's so important. You know, when lives are on the line, I like to say, you know, just the military gave me that just the never give up mindset because it's just not an option, right? It's just not an option. And so it love that, you know, extremely confident. And so, you know, yeah. And what were the others? Yeah. So I guess I love what you just touched on though, Whitney, and I'm going to come back to it whenever I talk about myself, but Ranger School in general and just leadership in general in the army, you know, really taught me how to lead people even at their worst. And specifically, you know, whenever 
people are three days past their breaking point, which you often are in some of our training exercises, you know, absolutely exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally fatigued, and really morally susceptible to do things that you normally would not do. Cause you know, as they say, you know, hard times don't build character, they reveal character. And I mean, you find out what you are at your core whenever you are just stretched to your max. And so I've learned, you know, specifically that people don't really care whenever everything's on the line, you know, people don't really care about how much you know until you've demonstrated how much you care about them. And that's very intrinsic to who I aspire to be like. So it's definitely translated over. It's, you know, you have to invest the time and be there and, and how to be the best, you know, in every situation, even wherever it's not necessarily your neck on the line, wherever it's somebody else's and just be a servant leader, essentially. No doubt about it. Wow. No, thanks for sharing that. I think even, you know, the listener that hasn't been in the military, it's just great to hear those things, you know, and to think through that and just the the level of dedication, you know, that it took in the military, but then how that's translated to a successful real estate business as well. Anything else you want to touch on on that before we before we move on? The last thing, last thing, and I promise this is the last thing. It's just so much about mindset. So you learn. It taught me more about myself than anything that I could ever know. So, you know, there's a funny thing that can happen to you whenever you, you know, the power of your mindset. And there's funny things that can happen to you whenever you don't stay strong in mind. Whenever you're broken down to your absolute limit and your brain, you know, you learn the psychology and, and the fun things about that, but your brain's an incredible tool. And what you focus on in the state that you maintain yourself in absolutely determines your behavior more than you ever, than your conscious thought ever could. And just an example, I mean, there's some mountains that you walk up during some training exercises after like, you know, you're a few days after you're breaking what you thought was your limit. And no joke, you're walking up these mountains and you look off and the most appealing thing to your brain, if you're just focused on your pain and your internal suffering is falling off a hundred foot cliff and hopefully just breaking some bones, you know, bodily harm to yourself and being able to internalize that and focus on the goal or the mission ahead or the objective or, or maybe just for me, it's always helpful just to focus on the guy next to me or gal next to me. And, you know, that's been able to persevere. And once you can do that, I mean, you're, you know, our true potential isn't even tapped into until we've risen to higher levels. So. Nice. Wow. No, that's incredible. Our true potential is not tapped into until then. Wow. You know, Bo, let's jump into that first syndication a little bit, that 68 unit deal. Give us, obviously, we don't have a ton of time, unfortunately, or maybe we'll have to have you back, you know, to talk about this a little more in depth. But I'd like to just know a few things that were key for you getting to that first syndication and getting it closed. Maybe a couple of things that you learned. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to provide a whole lot of value to people that are like very successful, which you have top tier individuals on your show and listeners for sure. But for people that are just getting started, I think one thing that helped me tremendously is find somebody that you really aspire to be like, somebody that you really want to be like, you know, and that again, transcends all different things. But for the military, I aspire to be like Chesty Puller or Dan McChrystal or, you know, George Patton and and as leaders, you know, you got Teddy Roosevelt or Abraham Lincoln or, you know, other just heroes of mine. My father is a huge hero of mine. But, you know, break down what you like about that person and the traits that they carry and then find out ways to improve yourself to be like that. 
And if that's not necessarily applicable to you, if you can't, then how do you compliment that person and provide value to somebody like that? Then, you know, you can easily find a teammate that, you know, has those strong traits. And then you just strive to provide value to those people. My person, you know, Jason very well, but Jason Stubblefield was my hero in real estate for a while. He doesn't even know this and I can't wait till he, I'm just going to tell him to listen to this episode because I mean, I strove to be like Jason. I was like, how can I provide him value? You know, whatever he said was gold and I did whatever he said. And, you know, I learned so much just by thinking through even wherever he wasn't around, I just aspired to be like him. And we developed a strong relationship. And, and to be honest with you, Whitney, what happened was that gave me the confidence. I was like, Hey, I know, you know, I had this simple conversation. Hey, Jason, you know, if I find something that's a great deal and it meets all your criteria, what are your criteria? And can we partner on it? You know, can I just bring you the deal and then, and then work through the process and you look over my shoulder and, you know, I'll do all the work. You just, you know, whatever I had to do to provide him value. And that gave me the confidence to go after any deal of any size. You know, I failed at a few syndications, but one that never went through fruition was 284 units before I ever, you know, the biggest thing that I owned was a duplex because I knew that I had team in play and people that could tackle something bigger. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.